listening to episode 52 of the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast. Is play therapy right for your child? With Matt Hollow. Prosper, flourish, bloom with your people, your close-knit group, your clan, straight out of area code 419 with the most cutting-edge, controversial, and enlightening information from the most knowledgeable experts in everything, mind, body, and soul. Welcome to the Thrive Tribe 419 Podcast. I'm your host, Rose Hollow. Hello, Tribe. I have Matt Hollow here again with us for his monthly talk about mind, body, soul, wellness, particularly on the mind (laughs) Um, aspect of holistic health and everything that goes into that. Uh, Tonight we are talking about play therapy and just for a little bit of background information not only is Matt my husband for over a decade but he's been practicing in his field for almost two decades Um, and he is a licensed professional clinical counselor who provides simple and effective tools for emotional freedom and he owns a private counseling practice called Deep Roots Wellness here in Defiance, Ohio and uh, we're filling up fairly quickly. Yes we are. Yes we are. It's been it's been a whirlwind. Yes it has. Well it's been quite a lot of work but um Hopefully, it'll pay off in dividends as far as helping people in our community and um, keeping us afloat. (laughs) Yes, both of those things. (laughs) Having an income is always good, right? (laughs) All right, so is there anything else you want to tell everybody about yourself before we get started? Um, um, Keep an eye out for our, on our Facebook page because um, I've been doing a lot of, uh, uh, public speaking engagements, uh, such as at the Defiance Public Library, and um, some other some other places here and there. So uh, keep an eye out for those things because coming to an event near you. Awesome. We have an event coming up that we're participating in that is the second annual Foodie Fest in downtown Defiance. Yes, that's going to be awesome. And this podcast is sharing a booth with Deep Roots Wellness. We're going to be under the same roof, just like we are at home. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to be doing some live interviews with passersby. And tell us what you're going to be doing. I'm going to be talking about um, how food affects your mood. So how things like gut health affect your mental health and wellness. So... We'll be talking about that. We've got uh, our Moody Foodie Basket that we're going to be doing a giveaway for after Foodie Fest. Um, mm-hmm. People that sign up for our newsletter. So that yeah, should be very just cool. Just stop by the booth and put your email address on there and you're automatically entered into our Moody Foodie Basket, which I think is pretty cool. It's got a EFT for Kids book in yes. there. It's got some uh, kitchen paraphernalia. Uh, what else is in there? There's a little thing. Of, there's like samples of um, some vitamins and some um, organic oatmeal. Mm-hmm. There, there's all kinds of goodies in there. There's a book. 
it's uh, like a doodling book for your yeah. for a good mood. Um, yeah, that should be pretty I cool. I can't even remember what else is in there. There's a bunch of stuff in there. Yep. So, so definitely worth coming and checking that out. That basket is worth a lot. So, yeah, we'll see everybody at the Foodie Fest, and that is on September, is it the 15th? It's on a Saturday. I, th- I believe it's the 15th. That sounds right. And we'll be there in the morning. There's mm-hmm. a morning session, and there's a, an evening session. So we'll be there in the morning, set up in the parking lot where the downtown farmer's market usually takes place, uh, behind Cabin Fever and JBO Fine Arts Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back there by the kind of by the amphitheater so we hope we see everybody there at that time so um is that all you want to say about that (laughs) that sounds pretty good i think we got it (laughs) okay so matt how are you thriving in the 419 well with with right now working uh two jobs and um creating a business and doing all of that hasn't left a lot of time for uh, other things. So um, what, what's been helping me thrive slash uh, stay afloat is um, going for walks on my lunch break um, and kind of using that if I do have other tasks I need to do, I do it while I'm walking. Um, so at least I feel like if, if I'm not, if I'm having to do work, I'm at least creating, getting some movement and some exercise by doing that. Um, so getting out in the sun, that's been, that's been helping me and, uh, and good, good, strong coffee. (laughs) Yeah. And I know this is a podcast, so it, you know, nobody actually gets to see us, but you've been shrinking lately. (laughs) Yeah. So what's that about? What have you been doing? Well, I think it's, I think it's a number of things. I think, um, just good, clean eating. I think we've been doing, uh, a carb cycling, uh, lifestyle as of late which has been what two days basically i think we've agreed like no grains right and then one day it's kind of close to whole 30 it's almost like a whole 30 style eating for two days and then Mm -hmm. one day you can have some grains with that but we're Mm -hmm. already gluten-free so um yeah. Our grains are like rice and usually rice or corn. Right. Things like that. But yeah, I've been been losing some weight and uh, the belt is, has been cinched up a little bit more, which I'm not mad about. So <laughs> that's always a good thing. Um, so that's something I've, I've been, I guess, I guess I've been more, a little more mindful of it, but I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, it's so unfair how guys can lose weight. It is. So fast. I won't lie. It's it's unfair. You're lapping me for sure, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> you didn't know where I was going with that. I didn't. I, I didn't know it when you said uh, you can't see us, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. And by shrinking, I mean that your body is shrinking literally before my eyes. Yes. Well. I'm... Anyway, on to our topic. <laughs> no more, but dieting is not important. It's the it's the nutritional aspect and the health aspect that we're concerned with, not right. being small. So. Yeah, I think the the shrinking body is a side effect is a kind of secondary gain of eating well and eating healthy and right. all that. So yeah. Right. All right. So. 
play therapy. Can you tell us what that is? And I know you've been doing more of this lately Mm -hmm. in your private practice. So what's up with play therapy? What does that look like? So um, there are... There are people who like play therapy is their 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 calling card. They that's what they do every single day. Um, it's it's their it's their life passion. They they're certified in it. They go to twenty conferences a year for it. Um, they they have they may have very specific um, methods and ways of doing play therapy. Um, for me. I've got a couple basic things that I do. Play therapy is is really using um, something that kids do naturally. It's their it's kind of their natural state of of, of interacting with the world is through play, um, and it's also their work. So um, when I'm working with kids, um, and it, and it can depend on the age, um, but generally from kids as young as three. Um, up to, you know, it just kind of depends on the age and, and kind of developmentally where kids are at, where you might do play therapy. Um, but you're, you're using different play implements to allow the children to express their emotions, uh, their thoughts and feelings, and kind of work through things. So there's a few different ways that we can do this. Um, there's sand tray therapy, which is kind of a, a specific... Uh, aspect of play therapy Um, and even within that there can be even more specifics with that so in sand tray there some people have a setup where they will have dry sand and wet sand and um, kids can pick which which one that they want to work with and there's there's certain um, meanings to what that that can be about Hmm. um so kids who may want to use like dry sand, they they may be, they may you could you could infer maybe they're not quite ready to work on deeper issues. Um, they they might be a textural thing. Um, the, oh, like a sensory right. thing. Okay. And, and you might see I've seen with kids a lot of times a lot of like smoothing the sand and kind of working with it and just kind of experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Um, wet sand you can get some of that too. Um, but it's more naturally like messy, like it sticks to your fingers, it's gets under your fingernails, it's, it gets into stuff. So um, we we would tend to say, well, you know, maybe the kid is wanting to get into the get into the nitty gritty or, or really like work on things. Um, it's time for a quick break. Does holistic life have you frazzled? Naturally Simplified is here to save the day and time, offering non-toxic alternatives to everyday needs using only organic and wild-crafted ingredients. Small batch formulas that can be customized for your specific needs, plus new workshops that cover an array of holistic health reservations. Join the Naturally Simplified Facebook group for a full list of events through December, which include CBD, is it, can it, will it, essential oil safety, and DIY foaming hand soap. Essential oils, balms, sprays, and more now available at Indigo Therapeutic Massage and Spa in downtown Defiance, Ohio. For store hours, available appointments, and all the information you need to start living your life free of toxins, visit naturally-simplified.com. And this company is a company that I have personally used and can testify to its quality. Thanks, guys. Back to the show. 
So when you bring a child into the therapy room, mm -hmm. do you say, we're playing with sand today? Or do you just have it available and see if they want to, if they naturally go to it? How does that work? For me, what I've been doing is... Um, our, you guys can probably hear our dog drinking. I know I can hear it in my headphones. <laughs> She's, Sorry about that. She's thriving in the 419 by <laughs> We just went for a long walk and she's thirsty. <laughs> just ignore it. We have we have a pod cat sitting on the shelf next to us and now we have a pod dog as yes. well. Anyway, go ahead. So So um what I, what I've been doing with with kids who come to my practice is um I may show them some of the different things that I have available like in I have, a, I have a closet space that has different things. Mm -hmm. So um, some things are already out, but I will say, you know, th these are some of the things that we have. So I've got, I've got the sand tray. I've got, we've got the, the playhouse. Um, we can do crafts, things like that. So when I bring a child in, I, I will say, you know, what do you want to play with today? Do you want to play? You know, and I, I may remind them, especially if they don't remember, um, and I'll let them pick. So mm -hmm. then we get those, you know, get that thing out and uh, see, just let them work on it. So what they're choosing is actually telling you something about what they mm -hmm. want to work on. Right. But it's not like consciously they're thinking about what they want to work on. They're just choosing something that's appealing that they, to right. them naturally. Yeah. And, you know, I've in the past, I've worked with kids where they, they wanted to do the same thing every time. They wanted to do use the dry sand every time they come in. They'll get the same toys out and play in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that has that that will have a certain meaning. And you'll have other kids every time they come in, they they will do something completely different, mm. um, or they will go back to things. And you know, so you know, you may see certain themes within a session. Um, the types of toys that they're playing, what they're verbalizing, what they're, um, how they're playing with the toys, that's that's going to give you some idea of what's going on with them, and and it's and, and sometimes you you know as a therapist I've got a, I may have a little bit of context to that by you know talking with parents like what's going on at home are there any changes happening, mm -hmm. um, you know that sort of thing so I, I've got a sometimes I've got context clues sometimes I'll you know in working with a kid they, they're going they're working on something and you know if I'm summarizing the session with a parent they're like oh that's it you know that's interesting because this 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 and this are happening right now that sounds a lot like using intuition like you're mm -hmm. using a lot of your intuition mm -hmm. um with context clues to kind of get an idea of what's going on in the child's head. Yeah, there's there's definitely. Um, I mean, there in the in the if you're looking at psychology writ large, there's 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 definitely a little bit of like Freudian like psychoanalysis. Like there's some yeah. subconscious mind type things, right? Um, both from from my perspective as a therapist and and what the kid is doing because. They may or may not be really aware of like what's going on and how what they're playing with may signify something that's going on in their life. And that made me think of two other things to ask you about too. First of all, um, I'd 
think you have mentioned before that kids are sort of in almost like a dreamlike state or their brain waves are Mm -hmm. at a different frequency than Mm -hmm. an adult brain and the second thing is that obviously a child is not going to have the vocabulary to express Mm -hmm. situations or emotions or feelings like a typical adult would right so can you talk about that a little bit yeah. Those are two different so, things. <laughs> so let me unpack that a little bit. Um, okay. I think the, f- let's see, the first thing. Um, the brain waves. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So the frequency br- or whatever. I actually just had a conversation with a parent today about that. Um, okay. From, from z- basically conception to six years old, roughly, um, kids are in kind of a hypnotic state. So the way I describe it to parents is thinking about you know that twilight state when we're like just getting ready to fall asleep and we're kind of in and out of consciousness yeah that's kind of the state um that that children are at all the time and is that why children can't really remember very much before the age of six i mean i know i can't but it seems like like our daughter who is six doesn't remember a lot Mm -hmm. from even a year or two years ago. Some mm-hmm. things she does, right. but there are a lot of things that I think, just, gosh, you, you know, we did this a million times and she just does not have right. any recollection of it at all. Yeah, that's that's a big part of it um, because they just, their memory isn't super well formed. And it's not that they, it's it's not that they don't remember it like it doesn't have an impact. It's just that it's, it's below the surface. It's kind of subconscious. Like they, okay. they can't always access that. Part of that is like developmentally, you know, we're kids are in a state where it's a lot of like learning about rules, learning how the how the world works. It's a lot of repetition and it's a lot of just like rote, like memorization of like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, like don't touch the hot stove. Well, they they're not really in a state where they can like analyze like why that's a good idea or why it's not it's just like don't do that so trying to explain yourself to a child or explain why is not really gonna work i mean that's what janet lansbury always says is like there's no need to explain and explain and explain just say right you got to be pretty not safe pretty cut and dry i won't let you do that (laughs) yeah so you know they're they're not really remembering that kind of stuff and they are kind of in that hypnotic state and i think that's i think that's just good for us to remember when we're working with our kids is that it's not always that they're just being disrespectful or that they're not wanting to do what we tell them what we ask them to do it's just that developmentally they're they're not always going to remember that so we have to kind of repeat ourselves a lot and and Mm -hmm. we feel like they should know it yeah we're adults and we we're in a different state of our development like we remember things that are told to us most of the time but they don't so you know that's that's just an important thing to remember and and it's so if you if you think about that like you're if you know if you were always in that twilight state would you really be aware of the big picture and everything else that's going on in the world? It, it's good because when kids start to see the world as a lot bigger place, that can be very scary and threatening. So um, seeing it as a little bit smaller and not remembering so much of everything is, is probably uh, uh, healthy in a lot of ways. But as kids get older, their, their awareness starts to get bigger and bigger. 
um, and that can grow at different rates depending on different kids and what they've experienced in their lives. Okay. So let's talk about the um, fact that kids don't have the ability to express emotions and events in their lives. Mm -hmm. Like, they just don't have the vocabulary or the ability to, like, talk about it. Especially Mm -hmm. the young kids, because you see kids down to three years Mm -hmm. old. So, um, can you talk about that a little bit? So, some, some kids are better than others as far as their emotional expression. Some some will be able to say that makes me feel angry. That makes me feel sad. Um, and do you think that that's accurate when a three-year-old says that? Um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just kind of depends. Um, I mean, most kids are pretty pretty honest. They're going to tell you what, what, what they're really feeling. They don't have like, they don't have like a secondary thing they're not you know trying to <coughs> trying to trick you or anything like that so generally it's like if they're if they're happy they're happy if they're mad they're mad do you have clients that try to trick you um or like try to they're dishonest about their but that's what i'm that's what i'm saying like young kids are generally pretty like face just, value okay you know, what, what you see is what you get um but you're also going to get a sense of mood by you know just their just their behavior um and that's kind of where the play comes in you can start to see like what's you know what are they feeling about certain things what do they say about certain things and you know some sometimes you can do a little teaching about different um emotions and and feelings and things like that just trying to keep it basic um Uh you know sometimes you can use like different faces like smiley faces frowny faces things like that Mm-hmm. Um, so you you can use that as as a way of so they could like point to the face and right. try to show you yeah so you can start to teach some uh, like emotional awareness uh, for for younger kids okay um, so that's that's definitely one way you can do that and uh, like I said a lot of it can be just observation and just reflecting back like um, sometimes I'll, you know I'm I'm gonna interact and reflect back what they're talking about and other times I'm just gonna let them go and just see see where things go so Mm -hmm. it really just depends and observe yeah Mm -hmm. so let's talk to the parents out there who are thinking of taking their child to a therapist Mm -hmm. who does play therapy how would they know if that would be a good idea or like the best um angle or not like Mm -hmm. And I know in defiance, just getting your child into a therapist can be difficult. It's like right. whatever that therapist offers is pretty much what they what mm-hmm. you're going to get. But um, if you have the choice between a therapist who offers play therapy and maybe a therapist who uses some other method mm-hmm. um, with children. And I know that you do other things besides right. play therapy yourself, but how would a parent choose play therapy or um, decide that maybe that would be the best route for their child or maybe um, even mention it like which which kids are best suited for that and why well I'll, I'll kind of answer it this way I think generally speaking most kids are going to be well suited for play therapy um, I think if you're looking at 
the op, you know, taking it from a different angle, you, you'd have to look at which kids are going to be better off not having play therapy, which kids are going to be okay, you know, if the therapist is not trained in play therapy, because, um, you know, that then you would want to make sure your child is very verbal, expressive, and, and also your expectation as a parent might be, um, I'm going to be learning a lot about parenting skills here, um, that sort of thing, because that's kind of been my experience working in, in the community is that um, if, if a therapist is not really like, um, you know, hasn't had a lot of training in play therapy, it's going to be a lot of uh, parenting therapy. Um, We're working with the parents to right, change to, behavior to, modification. Right, right. At home. And, Exactly, okay. and and also incorporating maybe some other things here and there, but overall, I would say, you know, most children are going to be appropriate and uh, open to uh, play therapy, especially if you're, um, you know, maybe if there's some uh, developmental issues that you're concerned about, um, delays, things like that. Um, you know, if there's any like verbal language delays, um, play therapy is a good way because play is very universal. Um, most all kids play in, in some way or another. Mm -hmm. So would stimming be considered play in a therapy situation? Like an autistic child who's stimming, uh, maybe who doesn't want to engage in play. Mm -hmm. Would that be something that would give you clues about what's going on or is that more of a I don't know well they say that stimming is internally motivated so it, it could be I mean it could also um, show me what might be um, contributing to that like if it's if they're doing that as a self-soothing activity like if they're if yeah. they're anxious um, are they anxious because they're in a strange environment or because they're nervous about something um, are they trying to cal kind of calm down? So, so yeah, I mean, it, it can be, you know, it, it can give you some clues to, like, what what might be triggering that stimming. Um, so, yeah, and, and generally I'm, I'm okay with stimming unless it's, like, causing, you know, it's, it's hurting somebody else. Right. And what age of children are we talking about here as far as play therapy? Like, what's the range? Um, generally speaking, I would say from about three, um, you could go up to, I would say like eight to 10 years old. It just really depends on the kid. Um, sometimes you get, um, teens and tweens that are, they might be into that and other kids that are like, they're, they're like not, not having it. So they want to yeah, do more grown up kind of things. Right. So you know, you can, sometimes it's more talk, sometimes you, they may be wanting to do like more craft type things where they're, you know, coloring or um, cutting and pasting things. So um, I have a, I happen to have a piano in, in my office where I'm at now. And uh, some kids, I think most kids want to play with that at some point. So, mm -hmm. um, but that sometimes that's, that's another way of creative outlet yeah and i know that you have coloring books and mm -hmm. um crayons and i think some maybe some colored pencils in there that right even adults use sometimes mm -hmm. is that considered play therapy or is that just a, like a 
soothing thing to do while you're talking? Um, yeah, generally. I mean, I think, you know, play therapy is tends to be more specific to younger kids. I haven't really... I don't know that I've ever had any experience where, where I've done play therapy with an adult. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, yeah, I can't say that that's ever come up, really. I saw a video one time. This is kind of silly, but everybody knows... Everybody that knows me knows I'm a Smashing Pumpkins fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Back in the 90s, there was this video that they did. Oh, I can't even remember what it was called. But they actually taped one of their therapy sessions for their band. I'm not sure if it was a joke or if it was uh, reality. I'm not Mm. even sure. I know that their band had issues and they did. Some of them were going to therapy. But this therapist had them using these little dolls that Mm. she used for play therapy and the dolls were talking to each other instead of the band members. Yeah. So is that something that, is that considered play therapy? Or is that just a, another form of getting people to communicate with each other? Um, yeah, it can be play therapy. I mean, it just depends. Like I said, I haven't, I can't say that I've ever used that type <laughs> of thing with, with anybody older than like, maybe nine or ten years old. Yeah, I've always wondered about yeah. that. If that was a joke or if this was like a serious form of therapy. It's... I could see it actually being helpful right. to some people. Yeah, and you know, there is there is a therapeutic modality for each therapist. I mean, there's thousands of them and mm-hmm. there's variations and, you know, most people are eclectic in one way or another. So, and, you know, and I was just kind of looking because I know there's... There can be very specific themes of play, especially when you're looking at like sand tray and play therapy, but you can have like power and aggression themes, family relationship and nurturance themes, um, control and safety, um, you know, exploration and mastery themes, interaction themes, and sometimes you can even see sexualized play, which is of course something you really want to keep an eye out for, and uh, you know, if there's there there might be history there so so sometimes you're you're dealing with another deeper facet of of treatment there so mm. yeah red flags certainly um but i you know i've worked in agencies where that's you knew that that's what you were working on and you did knew you that, see it come out in their play um yeah yeah you could at times um and other times there was a lot of themes about trust themes about boundaries um you know things of that nature so um now is the play actually help is that therapeutic for the child Mm -hmm. or is the play giving you clues about what you need to work on with the child how does that work i think it's both but but i think the first thing you said is is would be like the true answer is that the play is the therapy it's the work and so by just by them doing that work, they are they're getting benefit from that. So they're working something out. Uh-huh. Um, as a therapist, it, it may help me. It may give me some ideas of things to kind of take a look at. And because I'm into things like the EFT tapping, um, I can incorporate that at various times ah. to say, okay, like this is this is something we can work on with this. And, and use that as well and kind of incorporate that into their play as well and working with parents to use that too. Cool. Yeah. That makes sense. So you're picking up 
themes or subject mm-hmm. matter to use with the EFT tapping. Right. Interesting. Right. Like I can remember a client, you know, uh, these kids that had, um, there, there had been potential issues with abuse and things like that. And, and there were out of that, we, we realized there was recurring nightmares and things like that. So we were able to use, um, EFT to help kind of help deal with the impact of some of those things. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was showing itself in, in a lot of the play. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. So that would give you a lot of clues, I would think, especially with a really young child. Right. It would be more helpful for getting some Right. Because I've had some points. kids who were very shy and maybe didn't just didn't want to speak too much. Yeah. So, you know, having play there um, really gives, you know, it's, it's, it's giving them some room to work because if you're just going to sit and talk to a, like a four or five year old and have a, <laughs> that doesn't work. Have a, how does that, that make you feel <laughs> like mom? I know that's, that's just, not going to work. That's just not going to get the job done. So nope. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you for your insight. This was an interesting topic. Yeah. It's, it's more interesting than I thought it would be. <laughs> it's, you know, I will say like as, as somebody who didn't start out working with kids, I was kind of intimidated by it, but once I started learning about it and using it, I was like, this is really fascinating. And, you know, just the, the themes and the archetypes and all the other kind of Freudian uh, weird stuff. And like some Jungian stuff too, it yeah. sounds like. And you, you literally were, I don't want to say forced into mm-hmm. it, but in one of your job, your agency jobs in the past i remember they said guess what we have this guy who does play therapy and Mm -hmm. he's retiring and you're gonna take it over and you're like what (laughs) and and you know it was it was kind of scary but i it was such a great experience to have that like to have somebody who had been in the trenches had done it for years like, and it was another male therapist, yeah. which is a little bit of a unicorn yeah. in your field. So, so yeah, was, that was, was interesting. And I used to visit you at that office when you were there in the play therapy mm-hmm. room with our daughter. And she loved it there. Yeah. She loved the sand trays and the dollhouse and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, it's it's just fun Yeah, for kids. It is fun. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I I'm glad that I had to do that, and I think it's it's been very useful as a as a therapeutic technique with kids because I think having worked with kids prior to that without having that experience, it was like okay, now what are we going to do? What are we going to talk? About? An hour is a long time with uh, younger kids when you're trying to have a back and forth. Like it yeah. takes, you know. That's... Dialoguing is not an easy thing, and I mean, I, I work with some adults who that's still they're still working on a back and forth. But right. so trying to do that with like a five year old, like I've got some that probably could just sit and talk the whole time, but most of the time, no, you got to have some other things to do. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks for the insight. It sounds like play therapy is a pretty good thing. I, like you said, what kid wouldn't benefit from it? Yeah, so definitely yeah thank you for your time thanks for having me 
Thanks for listening to the Thrive Tribe 419 podcast. Do you know someone who could benefit from the information you just heard? Share the love by sharing this episode. Want to connect online? Check out thrivetribe419.com to leave a review or check out more episodes. You can also join the conversation by searching for Thrive Tribe 419 on Facebook or Instagram. See you next time. Keep thriving.